The one constant through all the years, Ray, has been beyond the game. The most well-known, the best-looking, the best-dressed. It's a faith-based sports radio program. We would be honored if you would join The ladies are digging my sweet bass. I also really don't care. No, I'm saying I could have done with speed, though, because I do that every time I golf. Are you really that ignorant? Yeah. You guys are so young and stupid. Get ready. Here we go. Thanks for joining us and welcome to the Beyond the Game program. Beyond the Game is brought to you by Town & Country Pest Solutions, townandcountrysolutions.com. You can call Town & Country at 585-426-5024. That's 585-426-5024. Town & Country Pest Solutions, fearing nothing but God. I'm Rick Benson and here with me is my good friend, the program's producer, Zach Barletta. Zach actually had a birthday this past weekend, so happy birthday to you, buddy. Thank you. Did you do anything special? Uh, no, I had a whole bunch of extended family over, and we watched the Bills beat the Patriots and ate a lot of pizza, and it was a great time. All right. Riveting radio. <laughs> the website is btgprogram.com, and the social media handle is at btgprogram. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Studio line, 585-431-1202. That's 585-431-1202. We do welcome your comments anytime, anything you hear on our show. Feel free to give us a call, 585-431-1202. And who knows, maybe we'll use it on the air. What a start to the Major League Baseball playoffs. I mean, the wild card games were just, they were sensational. They were really good. How can you absolutely not just love the wild card in baseball? Not only does it keep, like, what, half the league in the playoff hunt through September, but the one-game winner-take-all is a thrill ride. I wasn't convinced that I loved it. Even, you know, of course, last year my Yankees were eliminated by the Astros, and, you know, I felt like a best-of-three series would have at least gotten them one more game, probably more than that. Mm -hmm. But then again, I suppose the Yankees weren't going anywhere anyway. To me, it just seemed that baseball deserves some some type of short series, even if it is a best of three. You know, they play 162 games over the course of a season. If over that six-month long haul, a team has put himself into a position to be one of those final few in a postseason tournament, they should have a series to play where you see most of the team, you know, some different starters, different relievers. And I think then you determine who really is the best team and not just who played the best game. The entire baseball season is made up of series. So it just makes sense. So I wasn't convinced I liked the one-game format. That is until this year. I'm now convinced. I was on the fence. I wasn't sure I liked it. I wasn't sure I didn't. I'm convinced. The two wild card games this year, what a thrill ride. The giant And the Giants are a great example of why I do like the wild card, why I think it should be a one-game winner-take-all. I mean, as recently as August, they had that division. It was theirs to win or lose. Mm -hmm. And lost it, they did. And they should not have the same advantage of playing in a series that the team which overtook them has. They shouldn't be uh, shouldn't given the same advantages that the division winners mm -hmm. have. For the Mets and the Orioles, if they're thinking that maybe they would have fared better in, in a series and they needed to play well enough 
to avoid being a wild card team. You didn't win your division. As a result, you're handicapped now in your matchups, and the Giants now have to go on to play the league's best team over the regular season, the Cubs, and they have to do it without having their ace pitcher who, you know, at least they won't have him until later in the series because they had right. to use him just to get to move on, just to have the chance to move on. Although so, it's it's Bumgarner. I feel like he could pitch every other day yeah, in the playoffs. He right. just becomes something else, you know. But bravo to baseball. I love the wild card, and I've come to appreciate the one-game scenario. Both of those games were so dramatic. The Blue Jays with an extra inning home run, you know, leaving their home fan base just delirious at game being in Toronto. The Giants with a top of the ninth home run from really an unexpected source Mm -hmm. off a terrific reliever, by the way, to send the Mets home fans home, that game being in New York, completely disappointed. I was talking with a lifelong Mets fan the morning after, and he said, it's as bad a loss as he's ever had to get over. This one is this one. It was a gut shot, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- this is a tough one. He had to get over. They had their best guy, they, the guy they wanted out there, get through the ninth inning. You know, you got Yuena Cespedes, their big star, leading off. You got Curtis Granderson right behind him. Met fan is pretty good. The place is already buzzing. Noah Syndergaard's seven innings were. His 10 strikeouts, I mean, he just electrified the place. Had a no-hitter through five, I think, didn't he? What a tough, tough loss. But Madison Bumgarner was outstanding, and he usually is. He's one of those fierce competitors who just seems to get better when it matters most. Throws a four-hit complete game shutout on the road. That now makes 23 total innings of, of shutout ball in an elimination game. The win against the Mets was his third straight playoff shutout. You have to put him in the conversation of one of the best all-time postseason pitchers. He has a career 1.94 ERA now in the postseason. In his past 53 playoff innings on the road, he's allowed three earned runs. Three on the road in 53 innings. In his past nine postseason games, he's only allowed six as a, a 0.79 ERA. Those are great numbers. Still not convinced Bumgarner ha- only gets better when it matters most in the postseason games on the road. On the road in postseason games, Bumgarner has not given up a hit with runners in scoring position. The Mets had put four guys in scoring position, unable to play any of them. You put him up there with a guy like Andy Pettit, Bob Gibson, Kurt Schilling, Mariano Rivera, great postseason pitchers. I I mean, I'm not sure he's there with those guys, but he's got to be at least in the conversation, and he's still working on his postseason resume. Mm -hmm. And how much does it stink for Jarrett's familia? Reports that he was crying in the locker room after the game. It's just, it, it was so weird how that game ended because we had just seen the Blue Jays and the Orioles and everyone is killing Buck Showalter because he never got his closer in the game, and he lost the game with an inferior pitcher on the mound. So then you fast forward to this game, the closer's on the mound, and he blows it. It was just, it was just such a crazy uh, sequence of events. Yeah, and, and so what if he is crying? I mean, the guy just invested however many games to mm-hmm. get to that point. Of course, the New York media they just jumped all over him after he gave up the home run. He took the yeah. loss and. But after blowing a couple of opportunities last year's World Series and losing to the Royals, 
Many even suggested that had it not been for him, the Mets would have beaten the Royals. Oh, that's ridiculous. Uh, I mean, he's the reason they get to where they are. Mm-hmm. But you know he wanted to redeem himself this year. You know, he wanted to make up for last year's failures. You know he had to be amped for this opportunity. How crushing it must have been for him to see that ball land in the bullpen. And a three-run home run. It wasn't just a solo shot. A three-run home run is such a mm-hmm. momentum changer. Do you th- what do you think happens for some guys, Zach? Do you think, you know, for a guy like Bumgarner, he's able to dial it up. But for a guy like Familia, he seems to fall back a step. Do you, do you think it's possible that guys, maybe they try too hard and they end up failing? I could definitely see that. I mean, you hear... If you were around baseball for any length of time, you hear stories about, oh, the guy's amped up, he's overthrowing, his fastball straightened out because he's overthrowing. And I looked at reports, just I wasn't watching the game at the time, but I followed on Twitter and I was seeing Mets beat guys saying that Familia's arm angle was different on every pitch. And he was just trying to find his release point and he was just off and didn't have it. And that happens to everybody. But when it happens on a big stage, you have to wonder about that. What a time. And sticking with the wild card games for just a bit longer, you just mentioned, and I know you're going to want to weigh in on this, uh, you mentioned Buck Showalter and not calling on Zach Britton. Should the Orioles consider parting ways with Buck Showalter? Absolutely. Should the decision to leave Zach Britton in the bullpen the other night in that loss to Toronto be what costs him his job? I don't think the one decision should get him fired necessarily, but I question if he's the guy that can guide the team to where it is they want to go, which obviously is winning a World Series. I think the decision was definitely a boneheaded decision, no doubt about that, Mm. especially to make in that spot. But I can't rip him completely for it. When you're with a group of guys for an extended period of time, you end up trusting pretty much all of them, Mm -hmm. don't you? I I mean, I'm sure. I had no doubt that Showalter trusted Ubaldo Jimenez in that spot. Yeah, but you had the best closer in the game, and he's sitting in the bullpen just waiting for the call. Mm-hmm. Don't you want to go down with your best guy? I mean, at least the Mets can go into the offseason knowing that they put their best guy out there. And look, we've joked about it, but it's it's true. Every team that fires Buck Showalter has a great year the next year. The Yankees fired him, they immediately win the World Series. The Diamondbacks fired him, they immediately win the World Series. The Rangers fire him. They go to back-to-back World Series, although they don't win. So, I mean, the Orioles want to win a World Series. they got to fire Buck Walter. During the regular season, on the road, that's how the book says you play that situation. You leave your closer in the bullpen until you have the lead. But you always have tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And I should say, Buck Walter, I think, is a terrific manager. I imagine the O's will keep him around. And if next season, in all likelihood, he's going to win his 1,500th game at some point as a major league manager. But the playoffs are different, and you have to manage differently, especially like a wild card game, an elimination game. You don't have the luxury of going after it again tomorrow and getting a men. You don't know if or when you'll have the lead. You're managing to survive and not just balancing winning with also putting yourself in a good position to win again tomorrow. In 18 seasons, Buck Showalter has a 521 winning percentage in his time with Yankees, D-backs, Rangers, and Orioles. Yet in the postseason, he's only 9-14, and and he's still waiting to win the last game in the postseason, and I'm, I'm just not certain Buck is that guy to get you over the top. And the Yankees weren't certain either. As you've already mentioned, they let him go following a playoff berth in 95. 
They replaced him with Joe Torre in 96, and the Yankees won the World Series. They won it a lot. In 95, it was another elimination game on the road. This time it was against the Mariners. After rookie Mariano Rivera, he throws three scoreless innings. The game is tied in the ninth. Showalter could have brought in John Wetland, and in fairness, Wetland had been hit hard by Seattle in the series, but he opted to go with a starter. He went with Jack McDowell. Even after the Yankees took the lead in the 11th, he stuck with McDowell. He proceeded to give up a walk-off two-run double to Edgar Martinez, and Seattle won, this, won, won the game 6-5 to five in the series. I mean, it's who Showalter is, a superior regular season manager who just doesn't seem to change his style for the postseason and consequently isn't a guy I would expect to lead his team to postseason success. If I'm the Orioles, and like I said, I think he's a great manager. I think he's a really terrific manager. But I'm not sure he's a guy, when you have all that talent that that they have and and they're that close, I'm not sure he can get you over the edge. And as you said, Every team that has fired him has benefited because somebody else was able to get them over the edge, although, of course, Texas didn't win a World Series. We've got plenty more to do today on the program, including some discussion on Odell Beckham Jr. What are the Giants going to do? What should the Giants do? And, of course, we'll do shenanigans, you like that, and more. I'm Benson. He's Barletta. This is the Beyond the Game program brought to you by Town & Country Pest Solutions. title sponsor of Beyond the Game is Town & Country Pest Solutions, and they have been for the two-plus years the show's been on the air. But that's nothing compared to the nearly 30 years of bringing your homes and businesses of unwelcome pests. And I'm not just here reading a commercial script for them. I am a happy and satisfied customer. They have taken care of a mouse, bee, ant, and even fly problem for me. Yes, my house is old and falling apart, and I get all sorts of pest problems, and you may too as the colder air creeping in starts to cause critters to seek shelter in your attic, basement, or walls. If you think you have a problem or want to make sure that you don't call town and country they really are the best they guarantee their work and did i mention they're the best save yourself any more of a headache and money by giving them a call first don't waste your time on other companies town and country will do it right the first time every time so give them a call today at 585-426-5024 that's 585-426-5024 one more time because someone decided that three is the magic number 585-426-5024 or visit them online at townandcountrysolutions.com town and country pest solutions they fear nothing but god all right let me talk to you about something important Let's face it, sometimes life hurts, and it can be especially painful for young people. But thankfully, God heals. Hope Church in Greece is offering a 12-week program called Life Hurts, God Heals. This program is intended to help students who are dealing with painful struggles due to such things as divorce, depression, addictions, eating disorders, abuse, self-injury, and more. Hundreds of students from the ages of 12 to 22 have been given tools to help overcome life's difficulties through this program, and many lives have been changed. Life Hurts, God Heals is offered on Sundays from 1 p.m. to 2.30 p.m. and is absolutely free of charge. Hope Church is located at 1301 Vintage Lane in Greece. For more information, please visit the church's website, sharethehope.org, or call the church office at 585-723-4673. That's 585-723-4673. And ask for Jill. Bring it. Uh, 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 uh. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> it's Alfred. 
getting jiggy with it. Welcome back to Beyond the Game. I want to thank you for listening at BTG Program or btgprogram.com if you want to follow us more closely. New York Giants wide receiver Odell Beckham Jr., who has been under fire in recent weeks for losing control of his emotions on the field, had the heat turned up even higher after Monday night's loss to the Vikings. And, of course, I agree. He needs to check himself on the field. He has to get some control. He's not a rookie anymore. He needs to figure it out. I think overall the Giants have played undisciplined football. They continue to put themselves in tough positions because they're taking bad penalties. Beckham has tremendous talent, no doubt about it. He's a playmaker with special abilities. Some of the captures he has made in his short career, I mean, they're just incredible. Whether you like the guy or not, you got to admire his ability. They get people talking, the catches, they get people watching, which is probably what the NFL cares about. Mm-hmm. He's a playmaker, as I just said, but he has to learn to play football, not just make plays. He has to look at the bigger picture, what he's doing to the team, and clearly he's frustrated. He's not getting a ball thrown to him, and the defense has something to do with that. But as we said a couple of weeks ago regarding the Bills and Sammy Watkins, as an offensive coordinator, you got to figure out a way to get him the ball. If the defense is double teaming or whatever it is they're doing, you have to figure that out. You have to overcome mm-hmm. that. You got that type of weapon. You have to use it. He's obviously frustrated. All the attention being on his behavior. He said he said he's not having fun anymore playing football. He said after the loss that I just have to understand if I sneeze the wrong way, it will be a flag. It will be a fine. If I tie my shoes the wrong way, it might be a fine or a flag. And I'm going to say that Beckham doesn't have to check himself because, as I already said, he does. And the woe-is-me approach is just a bad play. But I will say there's something to what he's saying. As a professional, though, you don't whine about it. Mm -hmm. You handle it. You figure out how to beat it. During the game against the Vikings, Beckham was flagged for 15 yards for taunting Minnesota Vikings cornerback Xavier Rhodes. Now, am I the only person in America who thinks that's a ridiculous call and that the last thing Beckham doing was was taunting? Rhodes hit him out of bounds. Granted, it was borderline. It was close. But it was out of bounds. And Rhodes had every opportunity to pull up. But instead, he targeted Beckham. And it was probably a good strategy. It seems easy to get in Beckham's head. And Rhodes yeah. got in there with no trouble at all and got Beckham to react. Yeah. First of all, I think the taunting penalty is ridiculous. There's trash talking and sack dancing and whatever, first down celebrating on literally every play. To to pick specific ones and flag them, I think, is ridiculous. But like you said, it's a great strategy to be a little physical with Odell early in a game because you can get in his head and he he will literally let it eat at him for the entire game. How did Rhodes not get a flag there for hitting out of bounds? We've seen flags thrown for a late hit in very very similar situations, Mm -hmm. but instead I think Beckham has a point. The refs opted to flag him, and he obviously was taking exception to the hit. It's weird. I've seen, watching the Bills and Patriots on Sunday, there were a couple questionable late possibly out of bounds hits that seemed obvious and went unflagged it just seems like for whatever reason this year they're not calling that as much i don't know why my intent is not to completely defend beckham's behavior as like i said as a professional if you know that they're looking at you 
then in those situations, you need to keep it together because you know you're the one who's going to get blamed. But the inconsistency in the NFL is is laughable. They can talk about how serious they take head injuries, but then they allow the Broncos to tee off on Cam Newton in mm-hmm. week one. How do you let a defender take a shot at a player who'd already given himself up and not flag that the defender? Because that's what happened with Beckham in that game. Yeah. It's dangerous. The refs run the risk of losing control of the game real quick if you keep allowing that sort of thing. And mm-hmm. Look, Beckham was wrong and foolish, but this is not all on him. And we have seen Beckham lose it on the field in matchups with defenders. In fact, we've seen it too much. He had already had a few back-and-forth physical exchanges with Rhodes prior to the one out-of-bounds hit. And this comes just a week, only a week after yet another confrontation with Josh Norman of the Redskins. His battles with Beckham, of course, began last season when he was with the Panthers. I heard John Gruden say that Odell Beckham should be set down. I heard talk about all the situations where he sat players down. Who really cares mm-hmm. about John Gruden? Just taking another opportunity to talk about himself where, oh, I would sit a player here or <laughs> I would sit a player there. Just stop. There's a reason you're in the broadcast booth and you're not <laughs> down on the field. But Odell Beckham can grow. He can mature. But you still have to let him be Odell Beckham. He's an emotional player. It's who he is. The Giants want to be real careful about asking him to be something that he's not. Now, again, you can play more mature and still have that emotion. But I think what he has to learn is instead of being demonstrative and like we've seen him do, take swings at a defensive back or get into a war of words or pushing and shoving, what he has to learn is use that intensity Use it in your play on the field and let that do your talking. Would you agree? Yeah, I would agree. And like I said, he can play with the emotion, but he's got to stop letting defensive backs bait him into doing something that hurts his team. Mm -hmm. And that's what's happening. That's why Rhodes took that shot at him. And that's why, they, as you said earlier, they play a little physical with him because they know they can bait him into probably taking a penalty. Giants quarterback Eli Manning said Beckham has to be aware of other teams' attempts to get under his skin. People are looking for him, Manning said. He's got to, sm- he's got to play smart, and he can't afford to do anything there. They're going to call him. He's brought that on himself, and he's got to realize that. I saw that Zach Ewitt even shared a meme which poked fun at, you know, when he was when he hit the net with his the kicking <laughs> net with his helmet and it came back at him during the Redskins I game. I watched that on a loop for a while. Yeah, that got all kinds of attention. It lit up social media. That people pointed that as as evidence that he can't control himself because he slammed his helmet. Every what? player does that. Right, players do it all the time. Typically it doesn't make a ripple, but because it's Odell Beckham it's getting all kinds of attention. I mean, we saw Bill Belichick of the Patriots took his frustration out, slammed this past weekend against Bills, one of those Microsoft tablets that they have yeah. on the sideline. Which, line. by the way, those are like $1,500. <laughs> he just spiked one. Yeah, I'm sure he can afford it. I mean, I think the thing that drew so much attention and made Beckham look silly was the fact that the net bounced back in his face, mm-hmm. you know, after he slammed it with his helmet. I, I don't think a helmet slam is much to get so worried about. I'm more concerned about the on-field skirmishes with other players that result in penalties that hurt the team. Not worried about him slamming his helmet. Beckham has a point that he's being held to a different standard, but he brought that on himself. Be careful what you wish for. 
you want to show off during the pregame, you want to be that loud, flashy player, and you want the attention on you, well, sometimes that works. And for Odell Beckham, now he does have the attention that he wanted. So, you know, don't screw up because all those eyes are fixated on you. Beckham has said that last season's clash with Norman tarnished his image. He blamed the media for continuing to focus on his on-field contact uh, conduct. Excuse me, And again, a really immature approach to blame other people. But yeah, his image was tarnished by his actions. And it won't be easy restoring it because people are now going to be overreacting to everything he does. Proverbs 22 verse 1 says, A good name is rather to be chosen than great riches. It takes years to build up a good name, a good reputation, and it can be torn down in an instant, in one bad decision. And that's what Odell Beckham is dealing with now. There are countless politicians, countless leaders who ruin their reputations beyond repair. Remember Elliot Spitzer? He was elected as the New York York governor, and then about a year later, resigned in shame after a scandal involving prostitution. He had built a tenacious reputation, ruined in a second. Mm -hmm. Your actions speak loudly about you in both a positive and a negative way. Odell Beckham can put it back together, but it's a step-by-step process, building one brick on top of the other. Regardless of mistakes you may have made, be the person that you want to be. you got to start being that person somewhere. Eventually, people will see you for who you are. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 12 says, Having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. In the time of the early church, Christians were accused of all kinds of things because of passages uh, talking about com- communion, where Jesus talks about being the body and the blood. and Christians were linked to cannibalism as a result. Their love for brothers and sisters in Christ caused people to accuse them of orgies. They were called atheists because they didn't worship the idols that everybody else was. Over time, though, it became real obvious by their actions that this was not an immoral people. And eventually, the the accusations just didn't match the character of the people. Eventually, they'd be accused of being ignorant. They'd be accused of being foolish and any number of other unkind things, but not immorality because it just it wasn't believable about them. What does your reputation say about you? Like Odell Beckham, are you perhaps doing things that are tarnishing your image? What would people find easy to believe about you? Is it good things or is it bad things? Perhaps a more convicting question would be, as a Christian, are you doing things that tarnish Christ's image? When you go to talk about God's love with somebody— Does it seem uncharacteristic to what people already know about you? What's your reputation in your ministry, in your church? Are you someone who's a a fighter, who's argumentative? Have you lost it at times on the field? I've seen it a number of times where during a ministry event, someone just loses control. They just, they lose, they're people though. It happens, they're people but we have to guard against it. Don't let such things steal your joy. Don't be like Odell Beckham where you're not having fun anymore. Don't get to where serving God is no longer fun for you. Perhaps you've seen people quit a ministry or even abandon their faith because they weren't having fun anymore. 
They couldn't control themselves and their feelings about other fellow believers. I mean, it's really sad. Two things, I just to conclude that thought, I want to say on that. If you know a brother or sister in Christ who's pulling back, they're becoming more distant. They, they don't seem to have the same joy they once had. Go to them. See if you can be an encouragement in some way. James chapter 5, verses 19 and 20 says, My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. The second thing is if that person is you, figure out a way to overcome what it is that's stealing your joy. Pray about it. Talk to your pastor. Talk to a trusted friend. you got to get it together. And for Odell Beckham, he needs to get it together because he's hurting his team. But for the Giants, they need to real, be real careful about turning him into a non-emotional, robotic player because mm. it's that emotion that helps him to play the way he does. I guess it's maturity. That's really the bottom line. That's what we're talking about. I'm Rick Benson. He's Zach Barletta. You're listening to Beyond the Game, brought to you by Town & Country Pest Solutions. Here is the Red Hawks Report for this week, October 8th, 2016. The Red Hawks Report is presented by Roberts Wesleyan College. The women's soccer team began a successful week by beating Malloy College last Friday on the road 2-0 and then followed that up with a 1-0 win over Queens College on Sunday. That pair of weekend shutouts led to freshman goalkeeper Kelsey Brinkell being named as the ECC's Defensive Player of the Week. Brinkell then added six more saves and the ladies won their fifth straight road game by beating Damon on Wednesday 4-1. Bella Matreski netting her sixth goal of the season to help the Red Hawks improve to 7-3-1 overall and 4-1 in conference. The women have another road game today before returning home next Friday for a 5 p.m. match against LIU Post. After losing to Malloy College last Friday, the Red Hawks men's team bounced back with consecutive wins over Queens on Sunday and Damon on Wednesday. Junior midfielder Scott Carson's header in the first overtime period was the difference in the 2-1 win over Queens. Senior midfielder Malcolm Shaw scored two goals, while Terrell Spencer and John Stewart each added a goal in the 4-1 win over Damon College. The next chance you have to catch the men in action will be next Friday evening, October 14th at 7.30 p.m. against LIU Post. That match follows the women's game at 5 p.m., so let me encourage you to head out to the Roberts Wesleyan campus and support the Red Hawks soccer teams. In volleyball, the Red Hawks women had mixed results this past week. After losing 3-2 to the New York Institute of Technology, the Red Hawks beat LIU Post at home on Saturday 3-2. Senior Alexandra Tahari recorded 16 kills, and junior setter Elizabeth Rivera added 36 assists to lead Roberts Wesleyan. The Red Hawks then fell in four sets at Damon. Kate Steger with eight kills, while sophomores Riley Mall and Christina Button had seven and six respectively in the loss. Alexandra Tahari also had six kills. The Roberts Wesleyan's women's tennis team lost four to five Tuesday night against Lemoyne College, dropping to seven and five on the season. And finally, in cross country, the Red Hawks men and women competed at the Louisville Cross Country Classic last Saturday. The men's placed six out of 41 teams, while the women finished fifth out of 48 teams. Not much happening this week as the Red Hawks are mostly on the road. 
The next opportunity to catch any of the Red Hawks teams at home will be next Friday when LIU Post comes to town. As I said earlier, you can catch the women's soccer at 5 p.m. followed by the men at 7.30. Additionally, the women's tennis team will also take on LIU Post, that match being at 3 p.m. At 3 p.m., excuse me. That's the Red Hawks report for this week, October 8th, 2016. The Red Hawks report is presented by Roberts Wesleyan College. You can follow Roberts Wesleyan Athletics on Twitter at RWC Redhawks. This has been the Red Hawks report presented by Roberts Wesleyan College. If you know a high school athlete looking to become their best self, think Roberts Wesleyan College. Hi, I'm Dr. Dina Porterfield, president of Roberts. We recently won six conference titles. Our teams have made three NCAA national championship appearances and 96 student athletes were named East Coast All-Conference. And Roberts has the only NCAA Division II program in Greater Rochester. Tell the athlete in your life about Roberts. Visit roberts.edu. Beyond the Game, talking sports from a different point of view. Barry Bonds never took steroids. It's a faith-based sports radio program. Don't ruin it by being an idiot. Highlighting the stories and the people of faith. Have a high moral standard. It's not a faith program that includes sports. It's a sports talk show rooted in faith-based principles. How silly can you get? You want to heckle blind people? That would make me soil my pants. Dude. Welcome back to the show, recording in the BTG studios in Rochester, New York. Here is your host, Rick Benson. Welcome back once again, and thanks for for being with us here on the Beyond the Game program. It's time to play shenanigans, Zach. What do you What do you got for us this week? Number one, Lamar Jackson will win the Heisman Trophy. I, I agree. I think despite losing to Clemson last week, he actually gained a little in the race for the Heisman. I think right now, well, actually going into this past weekend, his closest competitor had been Stanford running back Christian McCaffrey. But, I mean, Washington's defense shut him down this past week. I I think he slipped a little. But Jackson played very well despite the loss. Because of him, Louisville, they almost pulled it out. And speaking of Washington, I do think Jake Browning might make up a little ground before the end of the season. But when they give that trophy away in New York at the end of the season, I think they'll be giving it to Lamar Jackson. I agree. I agree as well. He has the numbers. He has the flash. He has the hype. Um, the thing that stood out to me is he's the number 10 passer in Division 10, in Division 1 football. He's also the number 3 rusher. <laughs> so he's basically giving you the numbers of two players in one a star quarterback excuse me and a star running back it's it's really ridiculous what he's done so far he's got he's got 14 touchdowns so far which is four more than the number two in the touchdown category he's just been so ridiculous without him louisville's not even a top 25 team i mean he makes that team oh absolutely if anything happened to him i think they'd be toast number two Tony Romo will be the Cowboys' starting quarterback once he's healthy. You want to answer that one? Sure. I probably should have worded that if he's ever healthy, but (laughs) uh, my answer has flip-flopped a few times on this one. But I have to say I agree just because Jerry Jones really loves Tony Romo. Uh, Dak Prescott has been very good, but he sticks mainly to short and intermediate throws. He doesn't give them the -the down-the-field scoring threat ability that Romo does. So I think... Once he's healthy, he's the quarterback. And then 20 minutes later, he'll be hurt, and Prescott will be the quarterback again. 
I agree as well. Although the, maybe considering how well Zach Prescott has played, maybe there's some plenty of Cowboy fans who maybe hope he doesn't get healthy. But what are the Cowboys going to do? I mean, declare after one quarter of one season that Dak Prescott is their guy? I mean, it's a little early. I mean, if they move to him, if they stick with Prescott and, and when Romo's ready to play, then you sort of have to be like the Patriots when they went to Brady over blood. So mm-hmm. you got to stick with him with good. You can't go back and forth. Football needs consistency. Right. They need right. they need consistency from their quarterback, from their leader. You can't go back and forth. It just it just doesn't work. And and I don't think the Cowboys are ready to put it all on Prescott's shoulder. When Romo's ready, it's his team. That's I think so. Yeah. Number three, the New England Patriots should be worried after losing to the Bills. I agree with this also, but not overly worried about losing to the Bills. The Bills played well. They played very well, and the Patriots didn't. It happens. They're not going to be like fans who are making excuses, well, we've played with a third-string quarterback, whatever. Nobody's going to feel sorry for the New England Patriots. But it does make a difference. Now you get Tom Brady back, and if you told the Patriots at the start of the season, when you, you'll you'll be three and one when you get Tom Brady back, I think they would have taken that. Oh, absolutely. I think they would have been very happy to take that. If I'm the Patriots, I'd be worried about the areas we didn't play well, but I'm not panicking. The fact is, I'd be more concerned about not playing as well as perhaps they should have then I'd be about losing to the Buffalo Bills. You really stole most of my talking points in your answer. I I agree they should be worried, but only slightly. They should be concerned not because they lost, but because of how they lost. They made a bunch of unpatriot-like mental mistakes. Kick returner accidentally brings a kick out of the end zone and gets tackled at the 8-yard line to start the game. Um, they took a bunch of penalties. They they had really bad offensive line play. So I, I don't think the fact that they lost to the Bills should send them into a panic. I, I expect them to clean those things up because Belichick will clean them up and, and they'll be much better when Brady's back. Before you go on to the next question, you mentioned the kick returner bringing it out. Do you like what they've done with the 25-yard line? What It's four games into this season. What do you think about that rule change? I like it. I just think that it's funny that it accomplished the opposite of what they were trying to do. Well, they were trying to eliminate kick returns and make things safer because they get, a lot of your injuries are on kick returns. But what's happened is teams are making high-hanging kicks that are fielded at like the five-yard line, so you kind of have to return it. So in trying to eliminate kick returns, they've actually encouraged more of them. I always liked that strategy, even when it was only brought out to the 20-yard line. Mm-hmm. I, w- I don't want to kick it through the end zone. I want to drop it at the one-yard line and make you earn whatever yardage you get because getting to the 20 would have been something, you know, trying yeah. to return it. Now you're going to try to return it to the 25? Yeah, you're right. We've seen a lot of guys not make it to the 25 on these returns. So the strategy that teams are using is paying off so far. All right, next question. All right. Truth or shenanigans, you like Major League Baseball's current wildcard format. Well, you want to answer that one first because probably from the beginning of the show, you know how I feel. We touched it a little bit. Uh, I do. I agree. I I like it. That's not to say it couldn't be better. I wouldn't mind if you shaved two games off the season and added them to the wild card to make it a series, but I don't think you have to. Um, But I, I like it. Like we talked about, the games were close. They were exciting. They were 
you know, riveting television. And I like how much more interesting the playoff races are now. Because we've had years in the past before this system where basically you knew who was going to be in the playoffs when September started. And there wasn't really much drama. And now with that second team, we saw it with the Yankees. They, they got hot for a while, made a run. There were like four or five teams within two games of that spot. And it kept the drama right down almost to the finish. Yeah, I agree. I don't think I would lose it if they went to a best of three because it's still shorter than a best of five. But I, as I said earlier in the program, I really like this winner-take-all. You know, this this one game. This year's games were both so exciting. How, how could you not love that? And, I, and again, I think it's good that wild-card teams are disadvantaged when compared mm-hmm. to division winners. I, I think they need to shorten the season. I don't know that they necessarily needed to add it to the wild card, but you need to shorten the season. The World Series, if it goes seven games, is going to be another November mm-hmm. series. That's that's just way too long. Another reason I don't think you need to make it a wild card series is that the teams that are in the wild card game have basically been playing playoff series for like two weeks just to make it into that game. You that's, know, so. that's a great point. Yeah, they have been. They've it's been a win or go home for them for weeks and uh, you may not always get the best team because you know somebody comes out they have a great pitcher they have a shutdown pitcher you never get Mm -hmm. the the second third fourth spots in the rotation but listen that's the way it is and that's what you get those are the breaks when you should have won the division and you didn't yeah last but not least we've been talking about how exciting the wild card games have been so truth or shenanigans major league baseball's postseason is the most exciting postseason in sports uh, this is the only one on this week's list of statements that I'm going to call shenanigans on. I suspect you will also, though I'll, I'll wait and hear what you have to say. I like it, and this year is certainly off to a great start, but the NHL is the best postseason going, and they're chasing the best trophy in all of sports. Baseball comes a close second, and listen, but it's probably because these are my favorite two sports. I like the strategy in the NHL. I, I, I like the matchups. And I said in the NHL, I mean in the MLB. I, I like the strategy. I like the matchups. I like how a series changes and develops over the course of a few games. But I'd still take the NHL. The, ex- the excitement behind it is just unparalleled, in my opinion. Yeah. Unfortunately for the interest of making interesting radio, I'm going to have the exact same answer as you for all five questions, because I say shenanigans as well. Yeah, I figured you would. The Major League Baseball playoffs are awesome and exciting and pressure-packed, but to me, nothing compares to the Stanley Cup playoffs. They're absolutely the most exciting. It's got all the intensity of the baseball playoffs, but it also has big hits. It's got ice. It's got awesome beards. It's probably <laughs> It probably requires more stamina and sheer willpower and determination than any other sports postseason. It goes on for so long. You're getting hit every other night by great big guys on ice skates going so fast. Um, And every year when the playoffs end, we find out that all these guys were playing through broken bones and torn muscles and sprained joints and stuff. You know, the the postseason ends and the next day, half the league is having surgeries. Then they played through stuff without complaining through the playoffs. It's just, for me, it's easily the Stanley Cup playoffs and then everyone else. Yeah, I agree. I think baseball is a close second, and you get those dramatic walk-off home runs like you had in Toronto, or you get that pitching matchup like you had in New York with with Bumgarner and Syndergaard. Those are exciting games. It's very difficult to beat that. 
but you have that more often than you don't in hockey. You have close games. You don't get that, you know, like game one between Toronto and Texas where Toronto just took it to them. You don't get that a lot of times in hockey. It's usually a closer game. Mm-hmm. It usually comes down to great goaltending. And I think probably most of America would disagree with us, Zach, because we're hockey fans. Well, most of America is missing out. You know what else you get in hockey in the playoffs? You get the handshake at the end of the series. That's a that's a great element to that. Mm-hmm. The class, the sportsmanship, the class that it takes to do that, to look somebody in the eye, shake. I, I love that. I, and I think most people love that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You're listening to Beyond the Game, brought to you by Town & Country Pest Solutions. We're going to take a short break, and we'll be back right after this. Ram Sports Network, Christian Sports Television. That's right, Christian Sports Television. Ram Sports Network is the first Christian Sports TV channel with programming from Pee Wee to the pros. Games, events, sports talk, fitness and nutrition, sports missions, Western sports, and sports ministry. We're spreading the gospel through sports. Watch us now at ramsportsnetwork.com or find us on the Roku Channel Store. Ram Sports Network, more than a game. When I have a home remodeling project, whether interior or exterior, I call McAfee's Remodeling Company. Family owned for nearly two decades, McAfee's Remodeling Company is the name I trust. Mike McAfee put a new bathroom into my house three years ago, and I'm still getting compliments on it every time someone comes over to visit. Mike and his crew are experienced and professional, and you'll be thrilled with their work. So give McAfee's Remodeling Company a call today at 402-1070. That's 402-1070. Or visit them online at McAfeeRemodeling.com. Do you know an athlete whose participation in athletics is vital to their college choice? Then consider telling them about Roberts Wesleyan College. Hi, I'm Dr. Dina Porterfield, president of Roberts. We field 17 varsity sports and offer the only NCAA D2 program in Greater Rochester. Our teams have won six conference titles and reached three NCAA national championship appearances. Help the athlete you know to take their game to the next level. Visit roberts.edu. You're listening to Beyond the Game, talking sports from a different point of view. Beyond the Game is listener-supported. You can help by making a one-time gift or perhaps even committing to a monthly pledge amount. And if you own a business, consider advertising during the Beyond the Game program and promote your business to large audiences of both sports fans and people of faith. Please join us as we seek to encourage, equip, and evangelize through Sports Talk Radio. Visit our website at btgprogram.com for more information or make a donation via PayPal Secure Servers. Beyond the Game thanks you for both your financial and prayerful support. Welcome back to the Beyond the Game program. Title sponsor of the Beyond the Game program is Town & Country Pest Solutions. Townandcountrysolutions.com, fearing nothing but God. Romans chapter 2, verse 10 starts out with, But glory, honor, and peace to every man that worketh good. I'd like to pay some deserving honor to a group of Rochester area football players who, in my opinion, did, did good. While an entire local Rochester area charter high school soccer team recently took a kneel during the anthem, every single one of them, some football players from another Rochester area school decided to go in a different direction. 
in Webster, New York, the Webster Schroeder Junior Varsity football team was playing Fairport, while on an adjacent field, Webster Schroeder's boys varsity team was playing, their soccer team was playing rival Webster Thomas. When the national anthem played on the soccer match, the football players, remember they're on an adjacent field, the football players heard the anthem and stopped playing. Every player stopped and listened to the anthem. One parent said they removed their helmets and faced the flag. Coaches, officials, and fans then all followed suit. The question was raised if this would have happened, that is, if the players would have stopped playing had Colin Kaepernick hadn't started this trend of protesting during the anthem. And, of course, the answer is no. Why, why would they? I, I would think they most definitely would have continued playing. But now, in the environment that protests have brought on, we have people who feel compelled to share their freedom of expression as well, and they are making known that not everyone feels the way these protesters do. Some folks think the flag is still a pretty good thing. Some folks think the United States is a pretty great nation. The JV football teams from Webster, Schroeder, and Fairport, they're standing and supporting for the flag and the national anthem. It's what I like this week. What I liked this week was a little bit more self-serving. The Buffalo Bills shut out the New England Patriots <laughs> at Gillette Stadium on my birthday. The Patriots' own home fans booed them, and grumpy Bill Belichick smashed a tablet. I watched that entire Bills game in my living room with tons of my family over to eat my pizza and celebrate with me. My 30th birthday could not have gone any better, so that is what I liked this week. You like that? You like that? You know, it was a great win for Bills fans. It was a great moment for Bills fans. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they consider the Patriots their rival, I guess. Uh, I and, guess just because that's who you're always chasing in the division. It's sort of like being quote-unquote rivals with your older brother because he could beat you up whenever he wants to. It's not really a fair rivalry. No, because the Patriots couldn't care any less about the Bills. Right. I, I don't think they look at the Bills as their rival. You know, the Bills just haven't had enough success to be their rivals. I don't know that the Patriots really feel they have a rival within the division. Probably not. I mean, but the Bills, for a while, it was probably Miami. Everybody was excited to beat the Dolphins. And now, for so many years now, it's been the Patriots because that's that's who you're chasing. But it was a great win for the Bills. Here in western New York, people were going nuts, ripping on the Patriots and you know, you and I had a little bit of an exchange via text, <laughs> you know, because I was trying to push your buttons a little bit. Uh-huh. And why you hate the Patriots so much, is it just because they're successful and the Bills are not? And that's certainly you were honest it. enough. That's what really kind of diffused what I was trying to do, because you were honest enough to say that, yeah, there's some jealousy there. But it's also the fact that you don't like the cheating. You don't like some of the other things that the Patriots have been accused of. But you were honest enough to say that there was some jealousy involved because the Patriots have been so good. Well, part of it, I think, is that little brother mentality that, you know, you get sick of getting pushed around by the older brother, but there's really not much you can do about it. So, you know, and Bill's fans, we've been the little brother for, what, like 12 years now. We're a little sick of it. So this is something we're going to savor for a while which makes me a little bit afraid of a letdown this week, you know, coming off the high of basically our Super Bowl. Trailing back to the anthem protests again, I mentioned the local soccer team in its entirety kneeling during the anthem recently, including subs. That was 18 people. Interestingly enough, the next time out, 
only 11 of them knelt. And I wonder what changed. You know, did the parents, did they have something to say about that? Were they less than satisfied? Why, why did seven of them decide not to do it again? And, you know, I, I'm not really sure why, but the kneeling bothers me a lot less than the sitting did. Maybe it's because we kneel to pray. It's, it's like a gesture of reverence. And obviously that's not the intent for those protesting the anthem, but I don't see anybody sitting during the anthem, not even Colin Kaepernick. Do you, do you think they realized how bad the sitting looked? I would think so. I mean, in, in this league, all of these guys have agents and PR guys that are going to tell them, look, you look like a lazy bum sitting on the bench during the anthem. At least take a knee and look somewhat professional, you know? I still would prefer they stand, but the kneel, the, the, the kneeling on one knee doesn't bother me. I, I think in some cases I get the impression that possibly even the instance of these high schoolers I reference, I, I'm not sure that, but that for them, it's not a protest that's near to their heart. It's just something that they see others doing and they think it's cool and wow, it'd be cool if we did it too. What do you want to protest? Oh yeah, we'll, we'll just protest the same stuff. It's a way of grabbing attention. And now maybe they're not looking for attention, but I'd be surprised if that weren't the case. Last Thursday, Joachim Noah of the New York Knicks opted to skip a dinner with military cadets at West Point because he is anti-war, as he says. The absurdity of this makes me think that Noah, too, sees others making protests, so he wants to protest something as well. And and he may very well be anti-war, but so what? What does that have to do with anything? Is that a good reason to skip out on a dinner with men and women who are serving our nation in the military? The Knicks have held training camp at West Point for a number of years. Obviously, you can't skip that, but if you're anti-war, why are you practicing on their floor? What's the difference here? Uh, And I want to be careful about coming down too hard on Noah. I really don't think he meant any disrespect. And I just think like all the other people and doing all the other protests, I shouldn't say all the other people, but I think like all the other protests, I think it's a little misplaced. Mm -hmm. You know, protesting the anthem, protesting the flag, we've talked about it a million times. Protesting dinner with men and women in the military? And I think, not to cut you off, I think what really bothers me about this and really made me feel strongly about this story is that it just feels completely unthought out in advance i feel like if you're going to make a protest if you're going to try to make a statement about a social issue in front of millions of people like joe kim noah is doing you should at least think about it and make sure that you completely understand it because it seems to me that having a strong military is one of the ways you prevent war right if nobody wants to fight you there's no war Having a strong military, it seems like, should be something he should be in favor of. Am I right? I would agree. He said this. He said, it's hard for me a little bit. I have a lot of respect for the kids who are out here fighting, but it's hard for me to understand why we have to go to war, why kids have to kill kids around the world. So I have mixed feelings about being here. I'm very proud of this country. I love America, but I just don't understand kids killing kids around the world. I get what he's saying. We all understand. Nobody likes that element of that. You know, nobody wants to see kids getting shot uh, and and not coming home right. again. He seems sincere enough in what he said. So, again, I'm trying to be careful as to not come down too hard on him. I just think it's misguided. You know, I really, 
I, what I want to say is I think it's stupid, but I doubt very much that he's stupid. I just, I don't think that. Maybe what he did, though, skipping that dinner, maybe that is stupid. Then, Though, again, to hear him, it seemed like he was genuinely conflicted, I guess. Here's something to think about. The United States military does more humanitarian aid than anybody else. Nobody does what the United States military does. If there's an international crisis, the rest of the world looks for the U.S. for leadership. Most of the time, the military is utilized for peacekeeping purposes. And what you said, a strong military prevents wars. You know, the men and, men and women that Noah refused to eat with, they don't make decisions to go to war. It's not up to them. Mm -hmm. They simply respond and they act out of duty. I would imagine most most probably prefer not to go to war. The people he refused to eat with, they're not warmongers. They believe in America. They believe in the freedoms that it stands for. They believe in the good that this country does. Look, people can complain all they want, but when it hits the fan and they're in a jam, who do they look to? At least still, for now, it's the United States of America. To refuse to sit down and eat with these people with these people, these men and women, I mean, it's an insult. And I guess I can say it. I do think it's stupid. Isn't that part of life? Isn't sitting down with people you disagree with or who you're uncomfortable with or you don't really want to be around, isn't sitting down with them and trying to understand each other, trying to possibly resolve whatever difference you have, isn't that what grown-ups are supposed to do? The Apostle Paul wrote to the church, uh, wrote this to the church to encourage them to cooperate and to be in, be in accord with one another. But I think Philippians chapter 2 is wisdom for relationships outside the church as well. Here's verses 3 and 4, Philippians chapter 2. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility. Count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Rather than insult those men and women at West Point, I wish he would have. I wish he would have handled this different. And I doubt very much these people are uh, as focused and intelligent as these future officers are. I doubt very much they're letting it bother them for very long. It's mostly people like me, people who are uninvolved, who have opinions on the matter. But I look for lessons in things. I look to learn something from the sports world, and I see a lesson here. What if we all tried to understand each other just a little bit more? What, what, what if I gave thought to how your perspective was formed? So what if Joaquin Noah had a little humility here, thought of these, these men and women more important than himself, not only looking for his own interests, but those of others? If we do as it says in Philippians chapter 2, I think, I think we'll go a lot farther towards that end. Thanks for listening to Beyond the Game. Beyond the Game has been brought to you by Town & Country Pest Solutions, townandcountrysolutions.com, or give them a call, 585-426-5024. Tell them Benson sent you. That's 585-426-5024. For Zach, I'm Rick Benson. Lord willing, we'll be back together again next week right here at the same time. God bless everybody. Have a great week. 